This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, October 24th, 2022 edition, and we are into a new week and zipping through this fourth quarter, and the volatility is now being felt a bit to the upside, I'm sure, to many people's surprises that were very bearish. Um, I got, it's funny, I don't get a ton of emails that are very critical, um, but I get them at interesting times. Uh, I would say I rarely get critical emails, but I do get them at times of uh, turning points. Uh, and the fact that I was, you know, I've been modestly bullish in the near term over the past couple of weeks. Uh, there's been, there, there was one notable uh, one that emailed me saying, hey, you're, you don't know how to trade a bear market. This market's going lower. Uh, and I said, well, we could go lower eventually, but the odds are stacking up that we would be in for a rally, uh, at least near term. And we've gotten that so far. Uh, how far would that go? We'll see. Uh, but that's our main focus point today is discussing those various factors. And it's, it's a great article for everyone out there. We, I don't know if you know this, but we're, 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 our main focus point always has a, an article linked to it. Uh, some parts of it I agree with sometimes, other parts I don't. Uh, but this one, I pretty much agree with the whole thing, which is it's just some of a rarity. Um, so just giving you uh, a heads up of, of our main focus point today, that uh, story behind the stock market, is the stock market poised for a significant relief rally? So we're going to dig into those data points. And we're also going to take your questions. The phone line, phone line is Open as always, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 888.99 chart is how you get through and ask your question so I can give you my unbiased answer. I've got a packed podcast for you. Uh, I just touched on our main focus point, but also I want to touch on a few other things. One is what happened in China over the weekend or late last week and the party congress uh, and re-electing Chairman Chairman Xi. And the markets did not like it. The equity markets did not like what happened over the weekend, whether that was the uh, marching out of former leader Hu Jintao, uh, or it was just their their rhetoric. Uh, And so we're going to go over that to see why the market reacted so negatively uh, to the Chinese stocks. Also, we're having higher interest rates. Central banks globally are trying to bring down inflation. But monetary policy is always works with long and variable lags, as they say. And so we're going to look at the details and say, how long, how variable will the reaction be within the economy of these higher rates? So we're going to look at that. And then lastly, China. Uh, going back to China, NASDAQ is freezing some 
small Chinese IPOs, which after some interesting movements. So we're going to look at that as well. So that's on the docket for me today. And we also have some voice bank input and we have questions about relative strength as well as volume and capitulation. And so these are my, uh, th th those are main, the main things that uh, we're going to touch on today, as well as my perspective commentary on alternative investments. So we're going to look at that. So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk, and I'll take your live calls as well. 888 chart. Now let's take a look at the market today. Now, despite the poor reaction in Hong Kong and on the Chinese stocks, the S&P was up nicely, up 44 points today, a little over 1%. And you had the dollar uh, actually up a little bit, but a flat to up, so not, not too bad. The 10-year, that did, have, well, it was up about two basis points, but not but off the, the highs for the, for the day. Um, so you didn't really get that reversal. So I, I think to get a very strong reversal in the, the equity markets, you're going to need the 10-year to back off. You're going to need the dollar to back off. You're going to need to see some things that have been the driver of a lot of the volatility within the markets, right? Strong dollar and higher interest rates. And we're not seeing that, at least today. The VIX was up slightly, but uh, remains in a downtrend from early last week. So that's uh, still a relative positive and close near the lows of the day. So I think that was uh, that was good. We're in the midst of earnings season. It's definitely been a mixed earnings season. It hasn't been great. hasn't been terrible. Uh, but the market had priced in some pretty bad results as well. So uh, that's part of the reason why I think you're getting a bit of a relief rally. Um, so that was that was today. A nice positive day. Follow through once again from uh, the, the the end of the week uh, surge that we got last week. Remember, last week was a very positive week overall, uh, and we're building on that so far. And we're at the level, we're getting close to the level at least, where, call them CTAs, uh, not CTAs, but the um, ball targeting funds, as well as um, the option dealers. You could potentially see, if we go another 50 to 75 points on the S&P higher, that could start to create systematic buying within the market. And that could really uh, create some short covering and, and give us a strong rally. Once again, TBD, but so far, pretty, pretty optimistic uh, in the near term. Now let's go to our first listener question now. Hey, I was calling about one specific stock, ticker STAG, Stag Industrials. Amazon landlord. I just wanted to get some thoughts. Thumbs up or thumbs down, Justin. Uh, Steve, if you answer, give me some of your personal perspectives as well. Appreciate the time. Everything you do is awesome. Have a great day. Appreciate the kind words. Now, this is Stag Industries. This is a REIT that acquires, owns, manages 429 single tenant industrial properties in the United States. Uh, now, REITs have been relatively They've been they've been weak. Uh, the relative strength has been poor uh, because of the repricing lower, and so that their dividend yields are above treasuries uh, for the most part. And Stag is is one of those. Its current dividend yield going forward is about five point one percent, and but it's down forty percent from its high. Now uh, it's in the industrial space. Uh, let me see, single tenant. Let's see here. Okay, so its largest customers include 
air freight, logistics, automotive, industrial equipment companies. Uh, and those were in, in high demand, especially freight and logistics during the pandemic. And uh, their business is certainly slowing. And you've seen that they made $1.83 in 2019 funds from operation. And in 2021, it was up to 205, which was, um, uh, it doesn't sound like a big jump, but much bigger than their previous growth, which was you know, pennies per year. It's very slow growth. Uh, but that growth is starting to slow. Actually, funds from operations decline 6% this year, year over year, and go up 4% next year. So that's been that repricing. Now, is it cheap enough? I think you're getting there. Uh, now, the technicals are... They're definitely improving. I do like that. But what I want to see is a break above the 100-day moving average. It rallied there during this during the bear market rally of June into uh, mid-August and it hit the 100-day moving average, closed above it for, what, three days, and then failed. So I want to see you know a week or two above that 100-day moving average. And then, then I would say, okay, the turn has come because it. I think it is cheap enough. It has had that sufficient uh, over... Uh, like working off the overvaluation, it's trading at three, 13 times for forward uh, funds from operation, which is which is pretty cheap uh, for the space. And long term, I like it. I like the diversity. So I'm going to give Stag a thumbs up, but you need a little bit more technical uh, improvement. Let's just say that. Now this is Invest Talk. We are always glad to hear the caller questions that come in via our voice bank recordings, but worth mentioning that for listeners that want a bit more interaction with their answers fresh calls are always helpful during our live show from four to five pacific time and our number never changes day to date 99 chart why do listener questions make invest talk better which of these would you recommend because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice i was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here when do i know the right time to take profits should i be looking for an exit should i be holding here and listeners instinctively realize that invest talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction i think you have a terrific show and i've learned a whole lot hey guys love your show uh, i've been listening for several years now and i've learned a lot justin klein and steve peasley understand what investors need and want i would look at it from a tax perspective if there's no tax implications move on find better ways to use that money i'm going with the odds i think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it don't forget to call investor 888-99-CHART No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my main focus point today concerns the question, the story behind this question, is the stock market poised for a significant relief rally? And this this article came out uh, a little bit after the reversal from not last Thursday, but the Thursday before that. Remember the inflation data that was slightly worse than expected 
although CPI is a, a pretty bad measure of inflation because of a, a big part of it being shelter. Uh, but not, needless to say, the market initially reacted negatively, uh, but it turned around and recovered pretty nicely. So it was down over 2% uh, uh, in the morning, and then it, it was up about 2% at the close of the day. Uh, so it was over a 4% swing in one day. And what's a little bit more important than that was that it hit a key technical level which would be the 50% retrace from the COVID lows on the SP right around 2200 to the January highs about 4800. So the the 3505 level was that key support. We hit it, we pierced it a little and that often happens. You go a little bit lower and you had a very strong reversal. So that's the fir- that was the first sign that hey, this could be a significant bottom. Bad news and you turn and rally on that. I've talked a bit uh, about that. Uh, but there's some other factors to consider as well. One is historically the second half of October has been a good time for markets. And guess what? We are well into the second half of October. And October is often a bear market killer. If you look at the 17 previous bear markets, stocks bottomed in October in six of those bear markets. And then when you add in the fact that we are in the midterm election year, Uh, typically positive after the midterm elections, no matter the outcome. Oftentimes, that's because there's a little more certainty to what's going to happen. Investors are more able to position themselves into various sectors based on how that ends up. You know, is it going to be more, are there going to be more Republicans? And that pushes policy uh, towards maybe more oil and gas, uh, maybe more industrials, etc., uh, do the Democrats hold on to one of the houses and then uh, maybe that pushes more towards green energy and, and other aspects. So uh, these are the things that the markets market likes to see. They like to see certainty. Like they don't like unknowns. Okay. And that means that there's a good chance that we are in the midst of a, a bear market rally that could turn into a new bull market. That It always is that, right? Every bear mar- every rally within a bear market could be the end. Could be the start of the next leg higher. Now, the S&P's first big resistance level is going to be around 39.14. And we're almost there. We really are. The S&P today closed at, let me get this. We closed at 37.97. So you're about 115 points or so. That's only, call it 3% higher from here. So that would be the 100-day moving average right now. And that's the first big resistance level. Now, does that change the long-term picture? Not necessarily. This analyst says they see deteriorating long-term momentum indicators, which means that rallies are opportunities to sell into. But they can also be opportunities in the near term. And once again, that downward momentum, that long-term uh, momentum can always be reversed with the right policy, the right economic setup, etc. So you have to be open to that idea. But as for now, the bear market rally is here. Now it's an Invest Talk Monday, midweek. And we are all watching the market gyrations and finding those opportunities and making sure that we're avoiding the pitfalls. Are you in too many long duration assets? Do you know what that means? 
you should call, ask about it. We talk about it. Now, serious investors, I know you have questions, so I'm ready to take them at 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hey, Steve. My question coming from an early investor, pretty young here, but I guess I have some capital here in my uh, portfolio that I'm wondering kind of where and how to diversify it. I currently have um, Spy, Boo, Tesla, Apple, Google, Amazon, Walmart, and one of my favorites is Airbnb. I guess my question is, you know, what are some of your opinions? I know coming as an early investor, the market can be pretty scary. What do you think of those companies? I tried to keep a, a little bit aggressive, but still have some type of safety in there as well. And regarding those companies, do you think there's any other companies that are out there that could provide some more growth, especially in the uh, tough markets we're in right now? Thank you. All right. Now, you first off, you don't have, I think, enough positions uh, and you own Tesla, so I'd sell that immediately. Uh, the other one that I'd be more concerned about is Airbnb. Uh, we're in the down cycle. Uh, I'm just hearing a lot of anecdotes uh, in regards to the the, the vacation rental market um, and that bookings are have dropped off dramatically. And so many people, we you know, everyone says we have a housing shortage in this country. No, what we have is everybody investing in, uh, in vacation rentals because the yields are very high, 15, 18% if they're, if they're done well, but that's in good times. Now we're in bad times. So there's gonna be a lot of vacation rentals on the market. Probably that's a, a little thing about, I think the housing market and, uh, heavy Airbnb places. And Airbnb comes out with, uh, with with earnings, I believe, this week or next week. So you're probably gonna get some color there on what type of, what where bookings are at. So uh, another name that is overvalued and I, I wouldn't uh, own at this time in this cycle. Um, now, you're a young investor and what I would first say is don't just get caught up in the big names. Uh, there's record, record divergence between the uh, the large cap stocks, the names that you know, versus the small cap stocks. Uh, when I say divergence, I mean valuation. So the best opportunities are in that those smaller names. And you're a young investor; you have time to 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 uh, deal with the volatility, handle the volatility, and you're going to find much better opportunities in smaller cap names. Now you're new, so while you're going along, like you're making a mistake in Tesla, right? You've probably already made a stake in, in Airbnb. So you need to back up. If you wanna just have a, uh, exposure to the market, the VU, the SPY, you're they're pretty much the same thing. So you shouldn't really own VU and SPY, which are for everyone else, VLO and SPY. Those are both S&P 500 index ETFs. Pick the one with the lowest fee and stick with that one. And having your exposure that way and then learn and then slowly maybe trim from that and, and deploy it into some smaller names that uh, have better valuations that are, are more interesting, have more upside longer term than, than those big names. So don't be afraid to back up, learn a little, get your eyes wide open to all investment opportunities, not just the names that you know, uh, understand different sectors, and you'll be able to succeed a lot better than just sticking with those large cap names 
that everyone owns, all right? Now let's grab a live call now. Nick from Los Angeles looking at digital realty. Hey, Justin. Yeah, calling about digital realty trust. It's um, obviously a REIT for data centers. Um, so just large warehouses storing uh, data centers that power the cloud and you know, technology that all of us use. And that, that use is obviously obvious, but it's going to keep growing so long as we keep using uh, digital phones and computers and producing data endlessly as we are wanting to do. Um, so digital realty's revenue is based on, you know, obviously selling space and maintaining space to these huge data centers. And the data centers aren't going away. DLR's realty is, uh, revenue isn't going away. Yet the stock price has tanked to uh, looks like five to seven year lows, as well as uh, earnings multiples. And I think the dividend is strong and has been raised the past couple of years. And I think it's a good time to buy. What do you think? I do think it is cheap. We actually own this for some managed accounts, uh, but we are reassessing the REIT space in general. Uh, just because, like I've said, long duration assets are getting, are getting hurt. Uh, and it looks like the market is starting to structurally shift the pricing for anything paying a dividend, anything that has uh, heavy debt loads, uh, because it was pricing for a market where the 10-year was at 1% or 2%, and where borrowing costs were 3 or 4% for most of these, these corporations, uh, especially, and, and that, that's significant for those that have heavy debt loads. So while I think... Near term, you're probably going to get a rally in long duration assets. We've we've downgraded our expectations for digital realty and the REIT space and anything that, like I said, has a significant uh, yield to it, because we think we don't think that you're ever going to get back to these companies yielding two or three percent again. We think they're going to continue to trade for you know four plus percent. In their yield now they're gonna have to if they can continue to grow their yield which they've been doing and we like digital realty but the whole space i think is is going to be under pressure um so near term i like it uh but it's one of those names that will probably be trimming on a rally so just giving you a heads up there it's undervalued but uh now our fair value is about 15 percent lower than it was uh just about uh six months ago so for a trade, yes. Long term, probably no. Now we have the first three weeks of the market month in the books, and what will happen tomorrow? No one truly knows, but do yeah, yeah. We're going to a break. <laughs> Give me a call. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. 
With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations! You've found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line, 888 99Chart. Let's go talk to. James in New York, looking at Schlumberger. Yes, uh, I've done really well with that uh, position. I don't want to be in a rush to sell it, um, but is there a level where profit should be taken? I'd rather not sell just yet, just to uh, maintain my tax losses for the year, but do you see a greater upside to this? Uh, yeah, we actually own this for clients, so we really like Schlumberger, and they had earnings, and the market loved the earnings. They up up their guidance, expected to have sixty percent earnings growth this year, thirty nine percent earnings growth next year, and it's uh, it's it's up nicely from. Let's see, where was it trading? Just in late September, it was trading around thirty four dollars. Now it's at fifty two. So, uh, the the market loved the earnings expectations, and for us. That resistance level, actually, we actually have a spreadsheet for this. Um, that first resistance level is going to be $57, and major resistance is going to be right around 60 bucks, 60 61 area. So those are the two uh, places that I would uh, maybe think about trimming aggressively. Uh, but until then, I think you, you'd be patient on it. So like you say, you don't want to take too much uh, chips off the table and trigger those those capital gains too early. But... Uh, 57 and maybe all the way, wait till 60 uh, are the areas that you want to think about uh, trimming. Thanks for the call. Now, my perspective topic today is how alternative investments can help with your portfolio diversification, but are they worth it is the big question. And so we're going to give you some food for thoughts. Now, alternative investments can provide unique benefits to long-term investment portfolios. They can enhance diversification. They have the potential for higher returns. Once again, potential. Non-traditional, non-traditional sources of portfolio income. So not your typical dividends or or or, uh, or, or uh, interest. And possible tax advantages. Once again, possible. Now, what do these include? Private equity offerings, hedge fund offerings, uh, private REITs, non-traded closed-end funds non-traded business development companies, non-traded real estate investment trusts, uh, I think I said that, and managed future funds, as well as commodities. 
The issue typically with these though is there's usually an axe to grind. And private investments don't earn any better than the public ones on average. And they typically have higher fees. So the issue you have with active mutual funds is even worse for the private investments you can make. Now, do some of them outperform? Maybe. But the problem is, is that the, the ones that get sold the most are the ones that your advisor at Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley or Bank of America, whatever it is, they're incentivized to push you towards some of those private offerings. And so the good ones, they don't pay as much incentive. And so the average to below average ones, they're the ones that are getting pushed more. What I would say is simply stay away from those private offerings. Now, there are things like managed future funds. You can get those in ETF or mutual fund form. They can be non-cyclical and non-correlated, so that's a positive. Commodity investments as well. Uh, Long-term, you know, they're very volatile. But in times where of a commodity bull market, they can certainly buck the trends and give you that diversification. Now, we like to gain exposure to from the commodity companies that pay dividends, uh, that are good capital allocators, et cetera, versus the raw commodity, but depends on your risk level. The raw commodities are less risky. But the companies, the well-managed companies, have better returns long-term. So it's really about understanding what you're being pitched, what you're buying to diversify your your income and your returns. And notice I say can be, be better. They can be better. So, but they are more complex and they take a little bit more specialized knowledge. Uh, not and not just chasing the recent returns. They're very similar to the thematic funds, ETFs, mutual funds that get launched that people pile their money into because it's the sexy topic of the day, the sexy sector of the day, whether that's robotics or AI or, or, or anything like that. Uh, and it's typically long-term, not a great place to be buying. So don't get caught up in, oh, what happened in the last few years, because often that's not what's gonna happen over the next uh, few years, right? Now let's touch a bit on monetary policy and the long and variable lags that happen in economies due to central bank tightening or loosening. Now, interest rates filter through inflation in multiple steps. First, short-term lending rates go up. That includes deposit rates as well as lending rates for households, businesses, and there's a bit of delay there because loan contracts take a bit of time. For example, if you looked at the housing sales over the summer, they look pretty decent. Why? Because a lot of people lock themselves in. They, they locked their mortgage when they were looking for a home or put a bid on a home back in April and May. And the sales didn't close till June or July. 
And so a lot of those people locked in their rates at sub 5% before rates really started to take off, take off, go above, you know, five, six, and now over 7%. And now you're feeling those lagged effects of the hikes that were many months ago. Now, higher borrowing costs and lower asset prices deter households, businesses from borrowing and investing. And what that does is it weakens sales and just economic activity in general. And it makes it harder for workers to get raises. And, but it takes time for businesses, individuals to cancel projects, to get rid of workers. Uh, and so this is a slow process. Now, the IMF said that this month that interest rate changes have their peak effect on growth in about one year uh, in about one year, and on inflation in three to four years. So that's what's interesting here is looking back at uh, different periods of, of Fed tightening or, or central bank tightening, the impact on inflation often is three to four years down the line. Now, the Czech Republic, did their central bank did a, a study on developed nations, and they said in their paper, they concluded that the maximum impact on inflation takes two to four years in advanced economies. So they looked at the UK, a 1% increase in rates, reduced output by 0.6%, and inflation by up to 1% after two to three years. So that's the issue here, is that the Fed doesn't know that what type of impact this is actually going to have on inflation months from now. And that the economy is growing still, according to the the Fed's uh, GDP now figure from Atlanta. They see the economy growing at 3% in the third quarter. And we all know that underlying inflation is still 6% or, or higher both here in the U.S. and globally. Remember, central banks around the world are, are raising rates, but they're starting to think about the pause. Remember, this is the pause. This is the catalyst for this potential bear market rally. For example, Australia's central bank, they were raising, they did four consecutive 0.5% increases. Their latest one, only 25 basis points. And that's the next, the next phase. And so the big question is, when will it actually hit? Right, we're, we're about a year into the Fed first pivot. It was last fall when they talked about communicating to the market that there would be a reduction in QE, eventual QT, eventual raising of rates. This is their first salvo. And that basically peaked the market as a whole. And so it's probably going to be at least six more months till you feel the real impact of the first rate increases, which were in the late spring. So that's the worry here is that they're going to continue to tighten. Look at this data that is lagging, right? Employment data, inflation data, all of that stuff is very lagging. And how will that impact the economy? over the next six months, how does that impact the treasury market, which we know is becoming less liquid? So all of these things are the reasons why I think you're going to increasingly see 
talk of, hey, let's pause. Let's see how this impacts the economy over the next six months or so. Now, from time to time, Steve and I receive questions via email. So let's tackle this next one. Costa says, I want to know more about Signature Bank. I remember you mentioning you both favor local banks rather than larger banks. Is Signature Bank stock a good purchase now? If not, at what level should I purchase a position? All right, looking at SBNY, and this is the holding company for Signature Bank operating through 31 offices in the New York metropolitan area. Now, here's the first issue. New York metropolitan area. I have a problem with that. I don't love that region of the country. Uh, any of the expensive office markets, I think they're going to struggle. You're going to see tons and tons of New York office buildings converted into apartments. A lot of the, a lot of the commercial real estate there is not going to be economical. And this is not one that I would like to own. If I'm going to own a regional bank, I want population growth. And I want exposure to good assets. Right, so this one, it operates in New York and drives the majority of its revenue from commercial banking segment, which consists of principally commercial real estate lending. No. I don't want that. I'm passing a signature bank. Look for another regional bank that isn't tied heavily to commercial real estate and does have good population growth. And this one is not one of those. Now let's squeeze in another caller question via our voice bank at 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Matt from Merced. Just love the show and everything you guys do and find it very educational. So thank you. My question is about relative strength. I'm curious just how it's calculated and what length of time is typically used when they're calculating relative strength of a company versus the market, as well as what the near-term performance is typically, you know, if there's any statistics based on if a company has or 90 for relative strength or if it's lower, do they typically underperform? Is there a sweet spot? where you would find better near-term performance. Just curious, any information you guys have on that? And thank you again. Bye-bye. Now, it depends if you're, what type of relative strength you're looking at. Uh, now, RSI in uh, chart form is typically, uh, goes from 30 to 70. Those are the kind of the major lines. If it's below 30, it means it's oversold. If it's above 70, it's overbought. So there's oftentimes, uh, if you're looking at a chart, uh, that's what that's what you're you're probably looking at. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that's called RSI, the RSI uh, index. So that's mainly a charting tool. It's one tool. I wouldn't use RSI in itself as a reason to buy or sell something. Uh, now it can give you some short-term indicators for a bounce or uh, that it's going to pull back because it's overbought, but it's not something that I would tie my, my investment strategy to, my trading strategy. Uh, it's a secondary, frankly, probably a, a third level 
uh, consideration. There's a lot more important things uh, like chart pattern, volume, economic backdrop of the sector, etc., cetera, uh, that, that are far more important than short-term RSI readings. So uh, I like that you're looking at it. It's something that we do have on our, uh, on our charting, but it is kind of unique when we call it the stochastic RSI. So it's a, it's a little bit different, uh, but it's on the bottom. It's not our first, our first uh, indicator is MACD. Our second is volume and what we call Williams percent R. And then lastly would be our get, get, get stochastics uh, RSI, which is a proprietary uh, indicator. So all those things are helpful, but it's on the, it's the last on the list. Let's just say that. So uh, that is RSI. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Gentlemen, John from Texas, appreciate what y'all do. Y'all are the consistent part of my day. Thank you. Question on volume. And, and really just capitulation. So if you're looking at a stock chart and some of the data on it, when, you, when you're looking for capitulation, is there a, a general rule as to where what you're looking at, say, volume is three times the average all of a sudden that day or compared to, you know, that day versus three months? What are you looking for on a capitulation type day? And where do you find it? Like if you, if you didn't get to look at the market for a day or two and you saw a big movement so you go to research it where do you look for that volume and how do you know what really truly is is it two times three times the amount that the activity of the investors is showing you okay you know sentiment is this and that what do you look for in terms of volume and capitulation thanks guys appreciate it take care well you pretty much nailed it uh, it's typically about three to four times the average daily volume and we look back about 50 days for example i just have uh, signature bank still up from the previous caller the average daily volume on that is about, uh, call it 800,000 shares. So if you had 2.5 million plus uh, in a particular day, and it was you know, trading down big, because uh, this is in a downtrend, right? Uh, and, and maybe reverse, you, so you, wanna, you wanna probably get some sort of reversal as well, not just that it's down and stays down, you wanna you want be down and, and reverse. You know, remember, like we talked about at the top of the show, uh, Two Thursdays ago, uh, you had that big down day and reversal on on big volume on the on the S and P. Uh, that was a capitulation type of day. Um, so this is yeah, you want to look at three to four times average daily volume. Okay, thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's touch on what happened with the Chinese stocks today. And there is now worldwide skepticism after the Party Congress in China and investors are sell selling shares worldwide. The Hong Kong's Hang Seng index fell, uh, tech index fell 9.7% after on Friday, uh, it's second largest one day drop, excuse me, that was today on Monday. So the, the Nasdaq golden dragon index overall 
uh, fell 14.4% today. There were funds liquidating, and it was a record one-day drop for that index, and it's down more than about 50% this year. And this is all because the overhaul that she has made with party leadership is putting more loyalists in power who are more concerned about China's geopolitical rivalries and security than it is for economic reform. And that means the, the risk that China's going to go do something rash on the global stage is rising. And nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants to be invested in a, in, in a, in a country that, whose interests and its focus are pivoting to more military, more, more military intervention, uh, more hawkish on the global stage. You know, if you're an investor, you want to see the country focus on how to stabilize their economy, their housing market, their manufacturing base, getting off the zero COVID policies, all of those things. And this is this party Congress, along with the, you know, just kind of wa walking Hu Jintao out of the, out of the Congress, it, it sent a message to the world that they're getting increasingly more hostile and less business friendly. And that's why you saw the massive sell-off across the board. Alibaba itself closed down 12.5% and now is below its IPO price eight years ago. At the time, it was the largest listing in the world. Wiping off $670 billion in market cap from its high. And this is something I've been warning you about for at least a year, that these Chinese stocks are not things you want to touch. Too much geopolitical concerns, too much concerns about their accounting, delisting, <clears throat> poor demographics. It's probably the last place I'd want to own anything. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And we've now exceeded the 46.4 million mark thanks to you. And you can find your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.